and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am still not Tyler Smith. I'm still uh, almost as good editor at large, Scott and I. Uh, I am. I remain uh, David Bax, uh, and Tyler remains uh, out of out of sorts, out of commission. Uh, if you want to know what's going on with Tyler and how you can help. You can go to caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. There are uh, somewhat weekly or every other weekly updates about Tyler's condition and his his slow progress. Um, and there's also a link there to the GoFundMe because um, this sort of uh, ongoing serious medical um, catastrophe that Tyler has gone through is very expensive um, in this country. And uh, you can help uh, Tyler and his wonderful family by uh, throwing some cash at the GoFundMe. So please do that. Um, sticking with sad news, Scott, um, I don't know if you'll have any thoughts on this because I know, look, I, Scott, I, when it comes to popular music, Scott, I think of you as someone who has good taste, but not, not as adventurous maybe as your taste in movies. No, it, I, uh, I'm very middle brow when it comes to music and I, I don't mind uh, owning up to it. Yeah, but I, I don't actually, and I definitely don't think of you as a hip hop person at all. No, I'm very um, square so I, when it comes to music as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you're aware that um, uh, t- the the rapper Takeoff from the um, I guess formerly of the group Migos, they had I guess only somewhat recently um, uh, stopped performing together as a trio under that name, uh, was shot and killed the other night in in Houston. I did hear about this. Um, and it's it's very sad um and but it's oh, oh i mean but i'm not gonna say any reason it's not sad not only is this sad but it seems to be part of uh a, a trend that has has exacerbated in uh, in in recent years um a lot of them here in los angeles this was in houston but a lot of people here in los angeles like um uh, Draco the Ruler was uh, killed last December, a few years before that. Nipsey Hussle, uh, somewhere between there, Pop Smoke. Uh, all these, a lot of rappers keep getting killed, and uh, it's it's really sad. Um, I, I don't know what to say about it except that, like, I'm heartbroken every time it happens, and it happens enough that I'm getting angry that um, these these artists who are so promising and so young, I mean, takeoff was only 28. Um, Draco, when he died last year, I don't know how old he was, but he was clearly on the precipice of becoming like one of the new big names in, in, in rap, um, especially from the West coast, from Los Angeles. And I just like, it's anytime a celebrity dies, especially when they die in such an awful way, it's, it's sad and terrible, but this 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 ongoing pain of losing rappers to violence is um, really really it's really been gutting me uh, lately, and I don't know what to say about it. I certainly don't know what to do about it as a um, uh, you know a white mostly outsider to the hip hop world. Uh, but I, I, I guess I want people to to understand that it's happening and um, that it's not, uh, it's not okay. I don't know if it's like, because, because maybe like some of the biggest, 
you know, if you came of age, like at the time that, that you and I did Scott, we remember like Tupac and, and Biggie sure. both being uh, murdered within um, a year or so of, of each other. And I, I think there is maybe a, from an out, from a white outsider standpoint, a maybe condescending way to say like, to think like this, well, that's just what happens. Um, and it's, and it's not like, it's, it's that sort of, uh, dismissiveness or, or lack of major attention, um, is, uh, is dangerous, but also it, it hurts me is not as much as the death of these rappers, but, um, it, it just feels like there's so many, there's so many different parts of this, of our society and culture that are, uh, behaving in the wrong way to let this keep happening. Sure. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's ironic that the only time I ever hear about these people is around like them dying of drugs or violence or whatever the case is. And it seems like it yeah. happens. It does feel like it happens all the time because, um, I don't know if I feel it more or less for that lack of familiarity, but I feel like I'm constantly hearing about these up and coming hip hop acts because someone in them died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, those, those, the ones I've named are just ones that were already like big names. There's like just a couple months ago, there was a guy here in Los Angeles. who I think wrapped under the name PNB rock, I think was his name. And he was like, um, not a big name, but maybe up and coming. And, and he was, uh, at a restaurant with his girlfriend and she took a Instagram picture of them. And I guess someone on Instagram saw his chain or his watch or something and was like, and just like went to the restaurant and shot him dead in the booth and, 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 and took it. And like that, I don't, I, I don't know why that kind of violence against rappers is allowed to, to thrive. You know, no one's, uh, I don't know. No one's stalking, no one's going up and like shooting Beck or something because of his Instagram. I doubt Beck's on Instagram. I don't know. Or Scientologists well, a lot on Instagram. I'm sure um, he at least has an official Instagram. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, like not to use my own experiences, like the be all end all, but I would wager that Beck is a more famous and slightly more insulated artist than uh, whoever you just named. Um, yeah. PNB rock maybe is not, but I feel like, I feel like Migos, were huge, obviously not to, to you, <laughs> someone who doesn't follow, um, hip hop, but like, but it's also not, like, I'm not seeking out Beck either. I've just heard of Beck because I exist in the world and Beck has been around forever. And like, right, right. I'm forced to know who Beck is. I don't care if I know who Beck is or not. Um, somebody just made me know who Beck is at some I guess, point. But my argument is years. someone who has the same general relationship to music that you do, but is 15 years younger than you are probably knows who Migo knew who Migos were is mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Uh, that might be, but it, that just, I think I'm more speaking like the idea of insularity and um, uh, accumulated wealth where like, okay. I doubt Beck's going out and hanging out in diners and Instagramming about it either. Um, probably not even going out to hang out in diners at all at this point. Um, and I'm not sure my point isn't there. Well, as I guess as far <laughs> as you saying like, how it's allowed i mean it's the same way that any degree of violence in the country is allowed we just allow it like there's violence perpetrated against um 
far more vulnerable people in this country than rappers and mm-hmm. you know people aren't okay with it in theory but we do kind of just allow it so um the idea that it would um i don't know i i don't know the circumstances under which a lot of this happens yeah. um yeah. so the idea that it would more especially happen to one group purely for societal reasons i I don't know i I think it's just anybody's allowed to kill anybody pretty much and like um i don't know about allowed in in a larger sense yes there's nothing really stopping them like they'll get their punishment and i'm sure a lot of people who commit these violent acts do as well but like that's that's not uh disallowing the act itself the act's still done and anybody can go do that you know someone could walk into my apartment right now i'm on a pretty public street hollywood wise um and not in a building super secure so you know that's there's nothing in the the, in society that's disallowing this kind of stuff well i don't know it's just uh yeah i don't i guess i don't have any more thoughts on other than it's it's, uh it's break my heart i mean to someone who loves music and um you know feels about like music that has made me feel something strongly like any art i i develop a connection to it and to see oh, for sure to see this keep happening by the way um you mentioned like not really knowing much of the circumstances around it i would recommend to you and to the listener when you have if you have time seek out a los angeles magazine article from this past january um written by Jeff Weiss called the assassination of Draco, the ruler. It's kind of long, um, but it, uh, it goes into the, the actual events of um, what happened to Draco, the ruler, but also kind of uh, the bigger landscape of um, how difficult it is, especially in Los Angeles to make a name as a rapper without the influence of like organized crime violence. It's it's really is a really mm. fascinating and 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 sad and sobering uh, uh, story, um, but uh, yeah, that's a Los Angeles magazine. Anyway, um, I guess speaking of music, uh, I guess um, oh sure, I uh, I, um, uh, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful color, colorful colors. They, they look great. They sound great. Uh, Tyler and I generally use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, today and actually a couple times over the past couple of days, speaking of people who die, but at least this one isn't, you know, cut down in his prime. Um, uh, Patrick Haggerty, who was um, uh, known uh, or recorded under the uh, moniker Lavender Country, um, died recently. But uh, he was back in the in the early seventies making country music that was um, explicitly, explicitly, sometimes even aggressively queer. Uh, <laughs> way, so, like, way ahead of his time in that way that he's doing in like 1972 73 he was doing like legitimate old-fashioned country music aimed at a country audience but um you know one of his the, the song i've revisited the most times over the past few days uh is called 
Uh, it's called crying these cock sucking tears. <laughs> and like, that's funny. And he knows it's funny, but it's also like in the tradition of like, um, beautiful, like jilted lover <laughs> ballads. Um, and it's actually a really, like really, uh, strong and beautiful song. Um, that also is, yeah. Um, has the word cock sucking in it a half dozen, right two a dozen times. Um, Anyway, check out Lavender Country if you didn't know about them. R.I.P. to Patrick Haggerty. And uh, it'll sound great on your tweakedaudio.com earbuds. If you uh, go to, they're available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charge. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Scott? Yo. Let's get into it, shall we? Absolutely. Even though I don't quite know what it is. Like uh, J.K. Simmons at the end of Burn After Reading. I don't know what we did. I uh, I reference that scene so often at work because like <laughs> sometimes things will just solve themselves. Yeah. And people will look at me like, okay. And I'll be like, so I guess we learned not to do it again. (laughs) Um, So I know I've been talking a lot, but I'm going to continue talking because this is a subject. And as of us recording this right, right, you listeners might be able to look down at your, your MP3 players, your Zooms, whatever you have, and see the title of the episode. Right now, I don't know what we're calling this. Hopefully we'll figure it out. We'll say some phrase in the course of this and be like, that's a title. So, but it's something I've been thinking about a a while because it's, it's because it's made me go back and forth um, on like feeling uh, a sort of like imposter syndrome. Okay. But then also feeling uh, haughty or looking down at other people at the same time, like, or not, not at the same time. It's often back and forth. So here's what I'm trying to say. There is, I would say a certain breed of cinephile of which I, most of the time am, which I most of the time am. Sure. Um, I, uh, have occasionally referred to them as the fuddy duddies. They're, they, they tend to be more drawn to, um, classic film and art house film, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, cerebral things, um, and even you know, when you when they do like more mainstream stuff, it gets. I know it's been over a decade since we had the whole discussion about vulgar auteurism, but I think the kind of way of seeing movies that that came out of, yeah, uh, which I never liked that term, um, but uh, um. I do think it occasionally has its uses, you know, like alt comedy. I don't know if anyone says alt <laughs> comedy anymore, but that was a term that I always hated, but occasionally it's like, that's eh, a good shorthand for, <laughs> for what I want to refer yeah, to. Yeah. I mean, so, it's like anything, once it gets mainstreamed, it's like, well, it's not alt anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I generally, I'm aligned with 
these people, these are the people you and I have talked about, you know, well, you know, you won't, that's not, this is getting, this is a whole other conversation that we've actually had years ago with, um, with Jake uh, Barton and, and Kristen sales on the, on the podcast. When we were talking about the idea of film Twitter and the idea that like, they're like film Twitter already is a specific niche of Twitter, but there are so many niches within film Twitter. Big time. So, so sometimes I think when you and I shorthand film Twitter on this podcast, what we're talking about isn't necessarily everyone else's experience yeah. of film Twitter, sure. you know, but when you and I talk about film Twitter, we are off, often talking about the kind of people who let's say love Michael Mann movies. Yep. Generally love James Gray movies. is a big one that that sort of um well i mean you're definitely good guilty because he's great but you're a big uh hong sing su fan i think he would kind of fall into that um that category of and i tend to be that kind of film goer but then there are certain directors and certain films that really seem to repulse that kind of film fan and i usually like those and I would say I started thought I started thinking about this late last year, early this year, because among those members of film Twitter of the cinephile world, um, there was a big pushback against David Lowry's The Green Knight, a movie that I liked quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and so I was in my 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 first reaction was a bit of like defensiveness because I was like, oh, how like am I some kind of fucking loser or wannabe because i uh i i like this movie because that's always my first the first place i go uh is reason you and tyler get along uh yeah uh that that self-doubt thing but then i started like i put some distance and i started trying to figure out two things a what attracts me to these kind of movies and I'll, i'll get into more what these kind of movies are and b what about them turns off that kind of cinephile? And I would say this, so we'll get into that in a second. Actually, let me get into what I mean by these kind of movies in this case. Yeah. Because I tweeted about this at the time and I referred to movies like The Green Knight and Annihilation. And I think I even threw like Rogue One in there, which I know you're not a Rogue One fan, but uh, I've, I, I thought Rogue One was uh, was a pretty cool movie. And that's a big part of it. It's cool. Um, I've referred to them as bedroom wall poster movies right um and and so that that's the type of movie i'm thinking about initially and then i'd kind of backburnered this until a week or two about a week ago as of this recording there was a film twitter poll about who's the most fraudulent contemporary director and david lowry was on there which is why i'm there was four directors i'm struggling to remember the, the fourth one but it was david lowry Ryan Johnson, Ari Aster, and Luca Guadagnino. And I was looking at the films that, like, okay, David Lowry, they're clearly talking more about, I think to me, they're talking about more about The Green Knight than they are The Old Man and the Gun. Um, yeah, people always forget that one weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Ari Aster is, if I didn't vote in the poll, because I think it's a stupid question, but um, if I were going to vote, I probably would have voted for Ari Aster. He's the one of those that I'm least sold on, most skeptical of. I didn't really like Hereditary, and I liked Midsummer. Um, parts of it I liked a lot, but I yeah, I don't think it's that great. Um, but I understand, like, Ryan Johnson, obviously, he makes these um, kind of slick 
slick movies like um uh knives out and the brothers bloom and then of course he um uh helmed a, a star wars movie uh the one i don't really get on that list is why those people also don't like luca guadagnino is that just is that just contrarianism because like i feel like it seems like luca guadagnino would be more in the wheelhouse of this type of film fan you would think so i have i mean i think your identifying these as bedroom wall posters is right on the money okay. or bedroom wall movies or whatever phrase you used. Um, because I think they make the kind of movies that got a lot of us into movies. And I think there's a reflexive uh, turn against that initial impulse to be like, um, it's, it's really just a sense of wanting to feel grown up. And like a lot of this kind of, crowd of film twitter is driven by people in their late 20s maybe 30s um who really need to make a point of showing that they're older than the more developed than they were at 17 and they're not into those kind of movies anymore that's kind of the closest through line i've been able to find to it in, in like both interacting with it on twitter and like i talk to film twitter people in real life i think a lot more than you do or at least this crowd yeah. of film twitter um yeah and in terms of like the conversations I've had with them, like the uh, urgency with which they get out their dismissal of them, it comes from a stronger place than just like the course of conversation. It's like they really need to make a point to like show that they do not like these people and are better than their movies. And I mean, I have my own mixed feelings about the list looking at it now. Um, you know, there's, I think all of them have been movies I like and movies I dislike basically. Um, and I think it's, that's also a component too of like, usually these are people who came out of the gate with, and not Lequel Guadagnino, which is one of the reasons why he is kind of strange in there, but kind of came out the gate with a strong first impression, um, and have been subsequently held to that impression, um, the, regardless of whatever else they do in that time. Cause, cause like David Lowry has made four movies or five i can't remember how many but they're all I count pretty... five real quick okay ain't them body saints pete's dragon yeah old man on the gun oh Ghost story and uh Ghost story and green knight oh, yeah, yeah that's five yeah yeah and there's similarities there but they're all pretty different and so like like i love a ghost story kind of mixed on the rest um no i i really like old man on the gun too um kind of mixed on the rest though um and like you mentioned with Ari Aster, like didn't really like hereditary kind of dug midsummer, but there seems to be like a somewhat streak of auteurism where like, okay, once I've made up my mind about this guy and they're mostly guys, um, cause I, I think also part of it is like a reflexive distaste of like the film bro crowd, which trust me, I get, uh, the film bro crowd but, can be as tiresome as anyone, but, but also uh, that's, I mean, that's, this happens all the time with the internet, but like, I feel like the word film bro used to have a very specific meaning and now it's just like guys who like movies i don't i, I like it it feels like it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's become more nebulous over time whereas it used to be i think the 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 guys who i guess to go back to bedroom wall posters like dorm room wall posters like the guys who had you know like i did uh train spotting and pulp fiction and i never had a scarface poster but that that sort of <laughs> uh of 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 thing and thinking like the um end all be all of cinema is this um 
kind of uh, pubescent boy focused uh, right. uh, work that that feels important. I, and that's and I think that's okay. That I, I've interrupted you, and I want to get. I'm going to let you go back, but I, uh, another I mentioned Annihilation, but Alice Garland is one who definitely seems to like piss these people off, and totally. I think a I think a big part of it is that his movies are like so self-consciously like about things <laughs> Do you well, know what yeah. I, mean? I think that's the biggest unifying thing is that like they're genre films that are very self-consciously about things maybe less so Likugodni, you know although he did make that Suspiria remake um i also but, wonder if i keep cutting you off because i wanted to get this out earlier i yeah. wonder if i'm not sure how many people have even seen bones and all but i wonder if like that's a driving it a little bit it's a yeah, like a preeminent strike, a, pre, a preemptive strike yeah. against a movie that seems like it was. It's definitely made for a certain kind of teen, <laughs> yeah. you know, a late teen like uh, goth romantic type, um, which is right up my alley. I don't, I don't have that. Uh, I don't have that self conscious. I've got plenty of other self conscious. <laughs> but knows. I'm, I'm happy to. Uh, be um unabashedly a fan of embarrassing teen uh absolutely uh, stuff yeah 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 and i think the genre element comes into play so like it's really I and mean, by genre we really just mean like sci-fi fantasy horror um and i don't know i feel like there's a tone to the kind of movies that ryan johnson makes that makes them different from like just saying a crime movie. Cause he doesn't make crime movies the way like Michael Mann makes a crime movie to go back to like clearly a guy this crowd loves. Um, but it's sort of like a little quirky, a little twee, if you like, even. Um, but I also think, and I'm now I'm going to sound like I'm one of these funny duddies. Like I'm talking shit about Ryan Johnson. I, I like a lot of his movies, um, but I do think they are the type of movies that, flatter their audience in terms of like um they make you feel like you're smart for having watched them and kept up with them you know like like brick and and knives out both have these twisty turning plots and so i think certain types of audience members um uh feel like there's some sort of validation of their intelligence that they enjoyed something that seems so uh uh, right. And I think that's also the objection to like uh Alex Garland because his movies are very audience flattering of like, look at the themes you're engaging in. That's a good time at the movies. But like in reality, I mean, I don't like, I like one of his movies. I love Annihilation. The other two I could take or leave. Um, uh, but, wait, what was his? Oh, I didn't see men. It's got some moments. And that's what I'm saying. Like okay. within any of these movies. And I think actually like of all people, did you, do you know who the film critic Nick Pinkerton is? Because mm-hmm. he's like mostly totally one of these guys. But I remember hearing him on the film comment podcast, I think, talking about Darren Aronofsky's mother. And Aronofsky's another guy that like kind of creates the same rise because he makes semi-genre movies that are very forward about being about something. Mm-hmm. Um but he saw mother and was like and like clearly all the hosts were expecting to rip into something because he can be very flower with his dismissals, which is sometimes a blast to listen to. Yeah. Um, but he was like, I don't know, it's got some moves. And like, I think about that line a lot because like, yeah, I was watching men and it like mostly wasn't working for me, but every now and again to be like, yeah, he's got some moves. And like, that's that, I think that's my big problem with a lot of these dismissals is that like, there's an expectation that because a film 
is attempting to be a grand statement on whatever that it necessarily has to achieve that in order to be good. And sometimes like it's kind of thrilling to watch someone kind of grapple with something in a slightly immature and half formed way, but in a very aesthetically exciting way. And I think like for as much as like, we like to think we've rescued aesthetics from being just like dismissed as part of film evaluation. I think they are still a lot of time dismissed. And like, I remember when, um, interstellar came out i wasn't really looking forward to it because i didn't like inception i didn't like the dark knight rises but like pt anderson was like because he had inherent vice coming out so he was just like in the press he was like man i saw interstellar and that shit rocked and like <laughs> i saw interstellar a few episodes like that that shit does kind of rock like <laughs> no one can put together a freaking titanic movie and like dune last year was the same thing for me it was like i don't i didn't really follow it entirely i couldn't tell you about like the families and the clans and so forth and the history of the stupid world and there are parts that were a little dull and stretching, but like, there's also sh- stuff in there that's just like really freaking cool. And I think the, like that kind of base level response to just like, yeah, that is kind of cool. And I'm kind of glad I get to like, see this at the movies, I think is easy to dismiss because it's kind of where we all come from in terms of first getting into movies of just like responding to whatever, like the initial sensation is and not really thinking about it after. And so there's a reflexive, uh, desire as we get older to be like, well, I can think beyond that initial sensation and say, well, the film's kind of empty or this other film isn't necessarily giving me that initial sensation because me a lot to think about afterwards. And there's a lot to talk about and a lot that it reveals. I think that's valuable too, but it's, I don't think we should dismiss that. Like it's cool to see some cool shit well-achieved in movies. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're reminding me of 2017 at a new year's Eve party. I got into a, discussion um with someone i didn't know who's a big star wars fan who hated the last jedi and i liked the last jedi and i was like trying to have a discussion with him and i kind of realized at a certain point like i think we're just like speaking different languages yeah like the stuff that you care about is completely immaterial to me and the stuff that i care about seems to be completely immaterial to you (laughs) um but uh but then i do uh like i said before i do align with the Star Wars, some Star Wars people on on Rogue One, which I know uh, you don't like as much, but that's one that I, um, I mean, as much as I try to resist um, comparing uh, a movie to the other movies in its franchise or whatever, right? I think coming off of the perfectly good, perfectly serviceable Force Awakens, which has that kind of formless, um, gloppy, gloopy J.J. Abrams thing going on, and then to to go from that to rogue one in which Gareth, I'm going to say Edwards, but it could be Evans. I, don't I know, know. Right. We uh, do this every time. Yeah. Um, like right from the beginning, he returns us, I think to that sense of scale and, and like uh, that, that the, that the initial star Wars had of like, uh, here's a, here's how much bigger than a person this ship is. And then here's how much bigger than this ship the planet is. And, and, and that kind of stuff was just like really impressive to me. Um, plus I like Tyler and I have talked about this sub subgenre of war movies that, uh, our college professor used to just call platoon movies, not referring specifically to platoons, but the idea of like, there's a bunch of guys in a platoon at war or a bunch of guys and girls, and they each have their own, like one thing, like they, each one is like, they're, they're all two dimensional characters, but by putting them all together, um, it's a fun 
buddy hangout, but with higher stakes. Like Sands of Iwo Jima is uh, a great one that Tyler and I are both big fans of Sands of Iwo Jima. And Rogue One, to be blasphemous maybe to some people, reminded me of Sands of Iwo Jima. I don't see why someone would consider that blasphemous. I don't really know what the, I guess, the consensus on Sands of Iwo Jima is. I, I really like that movie. I've never seen it. Who directed that one again? You know, I uh, could probably tell you uh, if you give me a minute. Um, the magic of the internet. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think I, I think that's an, just an extrapolation of what I was saying. So I'm struggling to fill this void while you look up the director of Sands of Iwo Jima. Wow, Except his name say, is Al- Alan Dwan. Oh, well, talk about a guy who freaking nebbish film Twitter has really rescued in the past decade. Uh, people love Alan Dwan now, so they probably love Sands of Iwo Jima. Okay. Um, he had, do you want to guess how many directorial credits he has on IMDb? I'm going to say 120. Way more. Because he came up in the silent era, so yeah. that's like it could be anything. But he was still doing like, up until the end of his career... In the fifties, he was still doing two, three, four movies a year. <laughs> so he has four hundred and eight directed <laughs> by credits on. Uh, yeah, a lot of these are silent shorts. For, yeah, for years exactly. and years here. Um, but yeah, okay. So Alan Dwan, maybe I should see more Alan Dwan because I like I like Sands of Iwo Jima. Yeah, I mean the stuff I've seen, I could I could take or leave. Um, there's there's a segment of uh, classic film Twitter that's like any movie about a group of guys is the best movie ever, and I could. Uh, I don't find groups of men all that appealing. <laughs> um, mostly because. Oh wait. Uh, okay. He did they, um, slightly scarlet, which I've seen, which is a um, an in color uh, noir movie with uh, with John Payne. Oh no, I missed. I know they Ronda screened Fleming? it at. Uh, I think they screened it at one of the noir cities that I couldn't make. Um, I saw it. Uh, I, I saw slightly scarlet um, many years ago. Double bill at LACMA. It was the second half of a double bill. The first half was the damned don't cry, which is a great uh, uh, movie with um, um, Joan Crawford um, leaving her uh, husband and uh, sleeping her way to the top of an organized crime outfit. So which one of these people is damned and did they cry or not? (laughs) Um, Obviously it's uh, the, code era so she is damned yeah. because yeah she left her husband and uh had sex outside of marriage i guess i don't know um but i don't think she cries maybe she, maybe she does cry at the very end i can't remember. well then she lived up to the title you get your money's worth yeah all right um we're way way off uh, yeah this isn't I was an to... alan dwan profile episode thank god um and he didn't make that he made the other one well it was interesting oh yeah i remember one thing that you touched on earlier that i was gonna mention um that like 15, 20 years ago when you and I were dorm room age. Um, I guess more than that at this point, even um, there was the posters were like Tarantino or De Palma or Danny Boyle fight club. Yeah. Yeah, Adventure totally. And so like those guys were like the kind of guys, they were like the freaking Ari Aster's of the day or whatever, where the um, there was certainly a big crowd that was, very dismissive of them and thought they were just like movies for adolescent boys, but the adolescent boys loved them. And 20 years later, they're like among the most revered filmmakers around, um, at least of their era. And so I wonder if, you know, the, what's it? The chickens will come home to roost. 
Yeah, that that's first, a good that's a good that, point. That they'll come that all this will come back around and all the people who are, you know, getting turned on to movies for the first time through uh hereditary or annihilation or whatever, um, will both rescue the reputation of those movies and those filmmakers will go on to make like either unqualified masterpieces or something that's more clearly like unifying the way that David Fincher kind of did. Like David Fincher that's, was yeah hugely dismissed by many years by such foolish people as are on David backs um, yeah, until he made Zodiac, which is like yeah. a proper grown up movie and we could all like respect it kind of thing. Yeah. And then I looked back uh, a little bit um, by which, I mean, I looked back at seven and liked it and I've actually watched seven multiple times. I have yeah, not great. looked back. I still have only, I've seen fight club twice. Didn't like it either time, but it's been a long time. Saw the game once didn't like it. Saw panic room once didn't like it. I'm sure if I revisit, revisited any of those three now, I would find more to like than I did when I was 19, 20, 21. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, like they're definitely like young man movies and it's definitely like Fincher isn't all the way developed, but like you got some moves, man. There's like stuff in that movie that is just in all those movies that are just awesome to watch. Um, and I mean, I think part of, yeah, my reflexive distaste for this kind of stance of like these newfangled kids and their sensation based movies is like what it eventually takes for those people to get reconsidered. And the adventure is a good example. And Paul Thomas Anderson is a really good example in that, like, oh, they made a period piece set in the past. That's like about America. Thus, we can take them seriously. And it's like, well, like all the shit that was cool about there will be blood or Zodiac was in their prior movies too, but they just weren't taken seriously because they were, I don't know, a little more instinctive, a little looser, a yeah. little, and certainly more contemporary set. And, you know, you know, my big rant about how devalued contemporary, contemporary cinema in the sense of depicting the contemporary world is um, these days. But um, that feeds into it. Is that like, there's not a strong cycle for rewarding and taking seriously movies that think, instinctively about the present because the present has to be thought of instinctively like the idea that you can come out with something that really completely encapsulates this moment in time that's always changing in the moment when they're making the movie is like almost impossible to wonder it ever happens and so i love that there are movies that like wrestle with the present as an active thing and try to come to some conclusion that might by the time the movie comes out be out of date or might be out of date in a couple of years but like all that stuff about that people say about movies being dated or whatever like that's the good stuff man Movies are like designed to be dated. So it's easy for an auteur to distance themselves from that and only make movies set prior to 1970 because we can think about that prior to 1970 with much more clarity. We know what happened. We know the effects of everything that happened. And we have a sense of like what it meant for the country and society and mankind and whatever else. Um, but it's much riskier to make a movie that is like, well, this is just how we live now. And we don't really know how we feel about it. But um this will kind of touch on a few impulses about it and we'll see where we go from there. Um, I'm glad I wanted to touch on a couple of things you brought up. Um, the respectable, like period piece about America thing, um, doesn't say, you know, again, preemptively doesn't seem to be working for Damien Chazelle, who seems to be one of these people to these directors to a lot of people. Um, I, I've liked Damien Chazelle's last two movies. I didn't, I I didn't really like whiplash, but that's more about me being, uh, not a fan of Miles Teller generally sure. um, than anything else, but um, people seem already poised to dismiss ba- dismiss Babylon, which I can't yeah. wait for. I'm stoked for. No, I I think it looks fantastic. Um, ironically, 
I would say the people who reflexively dislike Damien Chazelle liked First Man far more than any of his other movies. Um, and I think it's a mix right. of, yeah, it's set in the past and it's a little bit easier to digest. Um, and it's because it's somewhat, I think, because it wasn't a huge Oscar favor that year. It was supposed to be. But um, it became an easy movie to be like, hey, you know, First Man, there was good stuff in it. And then you start like talking up the good stuff more than the bad stuff, which I mean, that's a natural part of every awards season cycle. And we're all a victim of it to some degree or another yeah. Yeah. of feeling like something's overhyped or underhyped or whatever else. Um, but because Babylon is returning to the entertainment industry of which uh, cinephiles are weirdly protective of to a degree, I sometimes find uncomfortable. Um, it does feel like, yeah, the knives are out again to not overly reference Ryan Johnson. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I have even another thing that like might be just like a teaser for a future episode. Maybe. Sure. Um, but I wanted to like differentiate between like movies that are like, explicitly about movie making and then movies that are what's the uh, uh more more subtly more obliquely about movie making okay because i generally am with the people who don't like movies that are about hollywood you know or like i have no idea no no intention of watching paramount plus is the offer like that's the kind of like sure um you know uh masturbatory stuff i don't care about um but uh, I only somewhat recently, like uh, for Halloween season, um, came to watch watch uh, Jordan Peele's Nope. I didn't see when it first came out, but so much of that to me is a movie about movie making. Oh yeah, about capturing images and um, the power of the image and what it does to the person or thing being captured in the image. Um, I was so fascinated by that that kind of stuff. This. Like I said, this might be a tease for a future episode. The difference between like movies about movie making and movies about movie making. <laughs> sure. Um, all right. So uh, then the other thing you brought up um, was the idea of movies feeling dated, because that was one of the things I was thinking of. Is like, what turns people off about these movies? And because I was because I've, I've called these people fuddy duddies, <laughs> um, but they also that, and I'm like I said, I'm with them on most opinions. Um, they also, like you did, uh, loved Ambulance this year. This this crowd sort of generally simply yeah. love Michael Bay's Ambulance, uh, which wouldn't seem like it's their type, right? Because it's um, whatever. I'll actually get into that. And so I think, um, or I wonder if one of the things that turns them off about movies like to keep going back to The Green Knight um, or Alex Garland's movies definitely fit into this, like Ex Machina definitely fits into this, that it is neither formally daring nor formally classical so like ambulance you could consider it formally daring mm -hmm. you know james gray movies are formally formally classical but because a movie like ex machina or green knight kind of like is neither it's kind of like now-ish yeah those are movies that i think may very well in 15, 20 years longer, look incredibly dated. Or but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because like Michael Mann's eighties movies look very eighties, but people embrace them rightfully. So I think, well, I was going to say, or it just becomes the new classical. Cause like Michael Mann's a good example. Brian De Palma's a good example where like, they were very much making movies like of the now and in the style of the times. Um, but which 
began to feel classical as soon as that style started to change. And it's the same reason why like Tony Scott got dismissed throughout his entire career until he died. Um, uh, I mean, Michael Bay, frankly, is a good, good example too, where like there's stuff in ambulance. that's like an acceleration of what he's been doing, but fundamentally he's still making the same kind of movie that he was 20 years ago. It's just that now we have enough distance to feel like we understand what he's doing a lot better and can appreciate it a lot more. Um, I mean, it also helps too, that ambulance isn't self-consciously about anything too grand. I think it has a lot in it thematically, but it's not kind of shoving that at the viewer. Um, yeah, I think it has a lot. I mean, I, my, um, most of my review of ambulance was about its depiction. It's snapshot of Los Angeles in the right here and now. Um, but, uh, I was, I was going to say, but that's a, that, that's a good point that like, um, uh but would you say okay i remember one of my i I didn't know godard i mean i knew of his name but i didn't know him until film school that's when i first saw breathless and then i also remember uh one of my film professors um who's an odd guy i can't remember his name (laughs) um i could tell you stories about him maybe i will someday um but he uh showed us um clips from or extended scene from two or three things i know about her and then showed us like which is what 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 year is that 68 67 67 um and then showed us like early 70s like commercials for like women's hygiene products and how much like uh, and so like the commercials kind of followed godard um and i do think there's maybe something to be said about people like david lowry alex garland going the other way that like ex machina looks like you know an apple product (laughs) you know what i mean um and 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 um you know the green knight looks like terrence malick filtered through levi's ads and and stuff like that and then coming back out the other the other end um so maybe because they're they aesthetically do seem to be following i guess you could say i mean often the i mean now this this critique has old gray whiskers but one of the uh, most common critiques against filmmakers like tony scott was mtv editing i was just gonna mention that yeah um that they're that they're so like it people get the impression and maybe they're correct that these filmmakers are following something that's already happened as opposed to blazing new ground yeah and I, I mean david fincher michael bay uh spike jones like they all came out of the music video world too there so that there was a sense when they were first kind of crashing the scene of like oh they're bringing music video aesthetics to filmmaking and that that was a bad thing necessarily um and i'm yeah, speaking as somebody who like a good thing right i'm saying this is the argument that they're put forward yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm saying this is someone who like i don't like hate music videos but i also rarely find that much value in them like it it's not like a judgment thing. I they just don't speak to me really on any level. Um, but I do think it's a good thing that like they were not only bringing those eggs in the first place, but figuring out ways to bring them into a feature film at form. And I think critics at the time got really hung up on the fact of their presence without like, thinking about the ways they could be extrapolated out into a feature form and the fact that like those three directors in particular and plenty of others more broadly were doing that quite well. 
and were thinking in feature formats even before they had that opportunity to kind of fully express them. And I mean, I think those same instincts still stay with them as much as like David Fincher has been like resuscitated and is now one of the great modern auteurs. I, I mean, I mentioned my big thing with Mank when it came out is that it, it, a lot of people felt like it was a huge departure for Fincher. And I was like, if you look at his commercials, it's like got a lot in common with those. Um, and so those impulses never entirely leaves. I mean, Tony Scott, a lot of his, what was tagged as like experimentations with camera speeds and stuff like that with man on fire and domino was stuff that he was already trying out in commercials before he got them into features. And so that, I think that's the thing that people missed out on at the time is that like, no, the music videos were a thing, but it was really just a testing ground and a training ground for people who were already thinking in feature format form. It's just that mm. we didn't have a language and a comprehension to appreciate that, or at least, you know, the generation who was defining what good taste was didn't, but obviously, you know, plenty of people who were 17 when fight club came out or whatever, like it was their world and they were speaking its language and they were, it, that movie was speaking to them. And I think there's a reason why, like when you first brought up this topic, I think I mentioned that like, it does seem like this general critique comes against a 24 movies generally a lot. Um, and a lot of these directors have worked or have had movies distributed by a 24. Um, but for all the like annoying parts of the kind of a 24 cult that have come up, I, the movies they release do speak to that generation really powerfully. And that's not worth dis it's worth taking seriously. And it's not worth dismissing both because I think any movie that, that ha or any swath of movies that has that kind of impact on an audience is worth taking seriously. But also because again, in 10, 15 years, like, y'all going to look like the old guys. Um, this, <laughs> yeah. whatever this thing is, is going to in some way be taken seriously because it's uh, the people who practice within it will make some undeniable masterpiece or, and, or the people who currently love them the most will come of age and start to define the taste. Um, you know, it's weird to me now that like a movie like Marie Antoinette is like considered a modern masterpiece. Cause when it came out, man, people freaking hated that movie. I saw it twice opening weekend. I, I was in love with it, but I was a perfect age to be appreciating. It. I was 20 and like the movie was talking to me and speaking my language. And now I'm just old enough to be part of a generation that was like, grew up loving Marie Antoinette. And that's the way cycles of taste have forever churned. I mean, that was the case with French new wave directors in terms of what they liked. It was the way that the entire film noir genre got rescued. Um, it's the way that like Michael Mann got taken seriously eventually. Um, all this stuff eventually grows up with its audience and its audience becomes the new tastemakers. Um, I should have been writing down all my thoughts because I have thoughts on so many things you said, but to go in reverse order, I'll start with, um, Oh wait, shit. Um, no, I already forgot what the second one was. Oh, damn it. Well, <laughs> what did you, I had it in my head and I was, Oh, okay. I got it. Okay. So, right. um, uh, the most recent thing that you said that I'll uh, I'll talk about is um, the movies that are dismissed by the people who were tastemakers at the time, but embraced by younger people, and then those younger people go up to become tastemakers. Yeah. Um, a more recent one of those that that Natalie and I um, were talking about, um, is, and we already mentioned Danny Boyle earlier, but Danny Boyle's The Beach um, is a movie. I think when that came out, people were like. Uh, this is this is stupid. This is ridiculous. And also, there was still like now everyone loves Titanic, but Titanic it was cool to not like. And so, 
DiCaprio was a target at, yeah. at, at the time. And I feel like the beach was not a movie that, um, because it definitely, uh, I, I was going to say it has that Alex Garland thing. Of course it fucking does. He wrote the novel. <laughs> I forgot that. As I was saying, but it does have that Alex Garland thing of being very obviously like about its themes, right. its messaging, messaging or whatever. Um, but it's also just a cool fucking movie, you know? Um, uh, yeah. I don't know what happened to Danny Boyle. I, I haven't seen, I mean, Steve Jobs is okay. Right. But that was like eight years ago was the last thing he made. What was the last thing he made? I really like Steve Jobs. I loved uh, Trance, the movie you made right before that. Um, right, I never saw Trance. Um, 127 hours was good, but what, what was the last thing? I know we keep anyway. mentioning movies from before Steve Jobs. Oh, he made that movie yeah. yesterday. Oh, I didn't see. I that. didn't see. That did not look like it was on my own. No, it does seem like. Did he make some other? Are you looking him up right now? Yeah, he made a, uh, directed a mini series called Pistol. Um, that I think is oh, it's about the. It's a fictionalized telling of the Sex Pistols. Oof. I have no interest in that. Yeah. Well, Danny yesterday Boyle was his I, last I no feature film. Oh, he made, of course, the Train Spotting sequel. Um, pretending that I'm pretending it doesn't exist. Did you see uh, it? I never saw it. No. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So they, uh, so yeah, the beach is just an example of a movie that I think has very much had its sort of like uh, reputation rescued by people like me who were in high school or just post high school. I think that came out the summer I graduated high school, like growing up and like, uh, you know, now I'm. 40 and uh i'm a man i'm 40 uh and i can say um like when i say i like the beach it doesn't i don't sound like a dumb kid right um have you seen the beach i have not seen the beach i I can tell from your quietness that you maybe hadn't seen it it's really as much as you talk about it i do feel like i should and it does seem like the kind of movie i would dig um okay so then um the other thing two more things i wanted to talk about the a24 thing what i like what i because Here's what I, I don't like these young fuddy duddies, as I'm calling them now, um, dismissing A24 out of hand, like, like you're talking about. I don't like that because the fact of their track record, it speaks for itself to me. They have put out a lot of good movies and some bad movies too, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's such a broad brush. They've put out such a a diverse slate that it seems insane to dismiss it. Yeah, they put out a lot of movies, but what I don't like, I do where I am kind of sympathetic to the young fighty buddies is I hate a 24 fandom, like people who are fans totally. of a 24. I remember being at TIFF in 2019, right? Yeah. 2019. And, uh, I was there to see the lighthouse. And when the a 24 logo came up, people applauded and I was, it's gotta tell you, it was sick to my stomach. <laughs> I just hate that so much. Um, um, yeah. I mean, I feel kind of both ways about it. Like, um, they're getting people to see a lot of good movies. They're taking risks on a lot of strange movies and they've come up with a financial model. That's very flexible and very varied sometimes in a way that's hard to track. And you're like, is this an Apple exclusive movie? Is this uh, day and date with theaters and streaming? Like which a 24 directory are we on? Um, yeah. But they, and so like, I, I'm kind of glad that people celebrate them and are recognizing that they've had a lot of success and have taken a lot of risks and get into that. Um, where it turns me off is like all the like kind of branded merchandise they put out. And it's like, I, I think I, my thing is I have trouble differentiating between the two. Sure. Yeah. Like, I just don't like the same reason I like 
make fun of Disney adults. It doesn't mean that I think <laughs> you're wrong for liking any one Disney movie or even liking going to a Disney park or whatever. But I just like bristle at the idea of being a, a fan of a brand. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would classify a 24 as a little different than a brand. Um, I, I think because that speaks to the idea that they've created such a unified idea aesthetic of what their movies are when I think they're, output is actually far more varied i mean hell you know you and i adore stars at noon that's an a24 movie yeah um but it that's like leagues away from uh midsummer or mad or something like that in terms of like what it's doing and how it's doing it um and i mean everybody including the young fuddy does have movies from a24 that they love and it's usually it just speaks to how widely varied their slate is yeah. but yeah I, I think as, as soon as you start to make any element of that part of like your identity is where it gets um dicey for me and that's like where like the merchandising angle comes in yeah like i at various points in my life could be lumped in with like the criterion fandom through and through but i never bought a criterion shirt um i have the book they put out of like their artwork but only because ryan gallagher bought it for me for a christmas present um like I never bought any of that like Criterion gear or whatever. Yeah, and there's I'm just think some... if I have any. I don't have any Criterion gear. You yeah, know what I just... do have? Yeah, because I got it for free the screening. I have a WellGo Entertainment uh, T-shirt. <laughs> I mean, and I sleep in it. It's it's super comfortable. I like I like when they usually you get a free T-shirt. It's like it's a, a beefy tee. It's yeah. like all thick. This is a this is a nice T-shirt. I I I wear it to bed often. I mean. I would admire that just because who would be that big a fan of Wellgo of all people, yeah. <laughs> but like, so that's kind of like a cool move. Um, but yeah, there's just something about like that extra level of like, and this is something that like I've always had going back to my youth, the idea of you just like walking around as an advertisement for whoever. I mean, I wear like plain t-shirts and button up shirts for a reason. It's like, those are just regular clothes. <laughs> I'm not like out here espousing for anybody. Yeah. I mean, when I'm like, dress dressed i'm not either but also all of my like stuff that i i go on long walks in the morning and i realize like i'm a walking advertisement then because <laughs> the shirts that i use for that are shirts that i've gotten for free usually or like sure. yeah so i'm like yeah hemador tequila that's what i'm here out here advertising in the neighborhood <laughs> today how do you uh, have that shirt how yeah. um actually i think um uh natalie and her friend one night went to like they uh, went to a West Hollywood like tequila crawl where they were like doing different shots of tequila at every bar. And I think it might have been sponsored by Hemador and they gave it to her and it was too big for her. So nice. So now I walk around the neighborhood and <laughs> walk my dog in in the morning. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't even own like band shirts or anything like that. Um, oh, I do have a Metallica shirt that I wear proudly. Sure. I, I mean, I guess I have the cinephile video shirt of Ingmar Bergman in the Iron Maiden font that I will occasionally wear. Uh, Julie custom made me a shirt with the title font from Elon Renee's Jatem Jatem that I will wear from time to time. I've seen you in that. Yeah. But um, that's about as far as I go. I, I'm just also not, I mean, you know, I feel like I've gotten to an age where t-shirts wear weirdly on me now. Um, hmm. But yeah, there's something about like the idea of like actively advertising for a brand. That's like, it's not my role. <clears throat> yeah uh okay the last point i wanted to make and this could actually be like we could have an eye towards wrapping up now because it's been going for like an hour <clears throat> you were talking about the 
um, the 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 guys most yeah these those were all guys who came from music videos or at least used music video aesthetic and yeah. brought it into cinema. I feel like the newer wave of that is bringing social media aesthetics into into cinema, and I can I feel like I can I can think of a number of like sort of bad uh, versions of that like movies made by people older than me for like aimed at cynically aimed at people in their teens and early twenties that are bad. I'm not going to uh, name too many of those, but I, I wanted to try and think of what are, what are the, what are the good ones? I feel like the first thing that comes to mind, and maybe this is the, finally we can, this is progress. We can talk about a female director, uh, Janice Bravo's Zola. Yeah. Is, that's the big one that comes to mind. Um, but also now I've never watched um, euphoria, but I saw assassination nation and Malcolm and Marie uh, and maybe, maybe Sam Levinson, um, who was, uh, I don't know. I, I, is Sam Levinson hated? I don't know where people stand on him. Do I people think, love Euphoria or do they hate watch Euphoria? I've never watched it. Um, I think because most of his fame has come through TV, there's just not as much engagement in there. I, I mean, I know Malcolm and Maria was really poorly received. I don't think a necessity. Which is incorrect, was, by the way. I know. I really like it the too. Thing, actually, I thought of Malcolm Marie earlier in the episode when you were talking about the idea of um, a director aiming for something, <clears throat> not quite achieving it, but that doesn't mean the movie's not good. Totally. I feel like Malcolm, Malcolm Marie is a great example of like part of what's fun about that movie is um, essentially it's two people on screen, but really it's Sam Levinson getting into an argument with himself and losing over the course of a hundred minutes. Yeah. Or so uh, I really like that movie. Yeah. I mean, more and more, I like those kind of like, movies that kind of struggle to figure out what they are. It's like, aren't we all doing that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So did we, I think we, we, we figured it out. We put the young fuddy duddies in their place again. Absolutely. I am a fuddy duddy, but not one of the younger ones. Um, and uh, we've rescued the reputation of bedroom wall poster movies, even though you and I don't see eye to eye on each one of them. Well, no, um, I mean, the, that's but I also like... don't care. And I keep bringing up Rogue One because that's like a big point. <laughs> it's a big like one you and I disagree on, but I also don't like Rogue One enough to go to bat for it. I just and, like, and yet here you are going to bat for it because there's something I can think of that I know you don't like. I couldn't think of any other of the, other of these ones that I know you don't like. Any other what what bedroom wall posters do you not like? Um, poster movies. I don't like. Um, shoot! Oh. I don't know. I was just thinking of like the directors we talked about. I didn't like Knives Out. Um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I didn't I, like the Brothers Bloom, but I think that's the only right. I didn't Johnson care for the Brothers Bloom. Like. Um, for like, oh, I really didn't like the Northman. That's a definite recent big bedroom wall. Northman, the new uh, Robert oh. Eggers movie. Um, yeah. I didn't actually, a lot like of it. the it definitely the, le- the lesser of his movies, but I didn't really dislike it. I thought it was. Yeah. Cool. A lot of the dorm room wall poster movies this year i have not been into like i didn't really like uh everything everywhere all at once um and i'm trying to think of other filmmakers in that swath well there's a handful of examples for you anyway yeah yeah i did like swiss iron man a lot and you and i are both big fans of uh dick long is dead um Wait, is it Dick Long is dead? It's the death, the death of Dick. Death, Long. I always get that wrong because there's Dick Johnson is dead. That's that's what screws me up. Yeah, that I, I've done the same. Dead thing. Dick movies. Um, I don't know. Coincidentally, I was just thinking of and laughing to myself at the death of Dick Long, the part when they're 
cleaning the blood on the back of the car and talking about Pulp Fiction. They're like, oh, we could use a guy like the wolf. And someone, and the other guy goes, oh yeah, what's the actor's name? Anthony Kiedis? <laughs> we should do, uh, we should probably do this episode at some point before Tyler gets back, but it wouldn't be fun to do it with him of movies about really dumb people because I know Tyler hates movies about dumb people. Yeah. I know yeah, I, I love I, movies about dumb people. I guess I don't know where you fall on that general idea. But uh I don't know that I would say I, I, I love it, but I definitely don't have Tyler's like knee jerk. I think it's a case by case thing. Yeah. But, uh yeah, a lot of times I I I, I like them. Uh yeah. I think you should I think I talked about this before, but I can't remember if you if you saw um Takashi Mika's first love, which was like twenty eighteen. No, but I remember you talking about it. It yeah. sounded really good. That's another that's another great movie about a couple of young dummies in love um i just surrounded I, by a gang war i don't know I, I feel like an idiot for so much of the day every day that i'm like finally <laughs> movies you see me all right um okay so we figured it all out that's it uh what else will be rescued in the future will people look back at the movies of at, at malcolm and marie as a uh unheralded masterpiece in in 50 probably yeah all right. Um, well, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can find reviews of a lot of a lot of the movies yeah. that I just mentioned. I know I reviewed Malcolm Marie. I reviewed Annihilation. I reviewed Ex Machina. I've been doing this a long time. Um, I don't think I reviewed Steve Jobs. Did you? I can't remember. Maybe I think I did, actually. I, oh, okay. I, that might have been for Criterion Cast, but I definitely went yeah. to a press screening of it. Um, so you can uh, find all that at battleshippretention.com. You can email us at David at, David at battleshippretension.com or Tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Also check out my other podcast, which is called The One Where I Met Your Mother. It's a podcast where my wife and I watch an episode of Friends and an episode of How I Met Your Mother every week and sort of compare and contrast and laugh and make fun and judge and uh, um, do that uh, annoying, you know, millennial sjw thing of pointing out what is problematic and has not aged well uh finally somebody is yeah <laughs> um yeah the yeah fucking uh uh marta kaufman coward when she saw us coming um and david <laughs> crane and carter bays and the other guy who created time and your mother um i was trying to show off and i fell short on on one of the four creators anyway uh but uh, this is a perfect time to jump in if you uh, want to jump in at the beginning of the season because we just started uh, season four this week. So season four, episode one of Friends, the one with the jellyfish, and season four, episode one of How I Met Your Mother, Do I Know You, which is the two shows we talked about this week, and you could follow along. Um, what else did I say? Everything else? Um, I think that's it for me. Scott, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, if you dare, and on Letterboxd more easily okay um are you rail of tomorrow on both or uh... oh gosh yeah that'd be good to point out uh twitter <laughs> is rail of tomorrow letterbox is just my name um i don't think i threw any initials in there if you search scott and i i'll i'll be around okay. all right um well scott thank you for joining us once again oh it's always fun thank you at home for listening we'll get you next time bye
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.